Happy New Year. I hope 2024 started off right for you. You're rested, you're ready, and you're prepared. You're focused to give your best in the context in which you serve. This is the Leaders Building Leaders podcast with me, Dr. Paul Coakley, Superintendent of Multnomah Education Service District. Here to provide information to leaders, aspiring leaders, equity warriors, policymakers, educators, and barrier breakers. We are dedicated to elevating voices, empowering others, speaking our truth, rethinking systems, and giving people their flowers. Today, we are happy to have Centennial School District Superintendent James Owens. Superintendent Owens served as Centennial's Assistant Superintendent Human Resources Director for five years, from 2016 to 2021. He also served as a principal and an elementary school teacher here in Oregon. Superintendent Owens has a bachelor's degree from Oregon State University, a master's in teaching, and he earned his administrative license from Lewis and Clark College. James is a proud Centennial High School graduate, and he is committed to the success of all students. As superintendent, his key accomplishments include completing 2020's Capital Bonds Project, converting Oliver Elementary into Oliver Middle School, transitioning sixth grade from elementary to the middle school level, planning and implementing a comprehensive school boundary adjustment process, conducting a district-wide equity audit, and developing the district's four-year strategic plan, Roadmap 27. Please give a warm welcome to Superintendent James Owens. James, welcome. Let's start from the beginning. Where were you born? Thanks for the invite, Paul. Glad to be with you this morning. I was born in Burlingame, California, so that is just south of San Francisco in the Bay Area. And growing up, uh, what was your favorite subject? My favorite subject, I would say, was writing. Um, I liked reading. I liked math. I liked school. Um, but there was something about writing, being able to put the pen to paper. Um, that was a creative outlet process and eventually became the subject that I enjoyed teaching the most as well. And did you always want to go into education? No, I didn't. That was something I came to in my mid-20s. I know that there's probably quite a few educators who had family members who were in education before them. Um, I didn't have family members who had. Um, both of my parents are printers, and so this was a new career path for my family um, and for me. Um, and it wasn't until my mid-20s that I even thought about a career in education. Okay. And growing up, uh, who were three most influential people in your life, and how did they impact you? I would say first would be my parents. So there's two, um, of course. And they were separated when I was quite young, um, and they divorced, but they got along great, and they co-parented me very well. Um, we lived out of state from my dad for quite a while, um, but they were both, both always very intentional um, about getting along yeah. um, and about raising me. And so there's things that I can pick from each of them who, um, in any given situation, they were much different. But there's things about each of them that I can reflect on and put into my everyday practice. Um, somebody outside of my family that was an influence for me was my high school water polo coach, Pat Souls. Okay. Um, what I appreciated about him is he made the sport fun. Um, he was relatable, but he also held high standards, um, and that was really important as a teenager um, to have somebody that, um, at the end of the day, could uh, hold the line. 
And how would you describe yourself uh, during your college years? That's a good question. Um, I would say focused um, and focused on what I was doing with water polo. So as I mentioned, I played water polo in high school and also in college. And in college, I ended up being pretty good at it. I played at Oregon State and was the captain of the team for three years. Um, I also coached the women's team um, when we founded that team while I was in college. And so I would say I was focused, but focused on athletics, maybe not so much the studies like I should have been. And you were born in California. Uh, When did you move to Oregon? I moved to Oregon when I was nine. So um, both of my parents are from Portland. Uh, My dad moved before I was born to the Bay Area. Okay. And um, for his job, and the family moved down. um, And then I was born there, lived there until I was nine. And then once my parents actually got divorced, um, we moved up to Portland so that my mom could be closer to her family. Okay. And if uh, you could give your 18-year-old self one piece of advice, what would it be? I would say in my late teenage years and early 20s, um, I was pretty anxious and impatient as far as what I was going to do with my life. Um, I spent a lot of time worrying um, as far as what my career would be Mm. and how that would work out. And so I would just offer myself at 18 some grace and patience in terms of knowing that if I keep putting my head down and doing the work, uh, things will work out the way that they're supposed to. Right. Uh, Many leaders experience a failure or um, some kind of barrier that ends up setting them up for success later. Do you have uh, something that you would say uh, you struggled with that attributed to your success later on? I would say for me, it isn't necessarily a failure, but a setback. When I graduated from Oregon State, it was 2001. And so right after I graduated from college, September 11th had happened and the economy wasn't doing so well. And so whereas I thought through um, high school and college, you know, things were going well, in terms of having summer jobs and things to do. I figured once I graduated from Oregon State with my business degree, I'd get a job in business somewhere and I'd be off and running. Um, That didn't end up being the case. Um, It wasn't until May of the following year after I graduated that I put my tail between my legs, went back to Oregon State and went to the career fair that I should have gone to the year before (laughs) and ended up getting a position with an auto insurance company okay. um, that I felt really fortunate to get because right. I'd been out of a job for almost a year. So for me, what I learned from that experience was the appreciation of employment, first uh-huh. and foremost, and then just knowing um, how much it took to get that job um, and how important it was for me um, going you know, forward into that position to, to actually have that because I'd earned it and I thought it was going to come easier than it did. Uh, mentorship is an important part of educational leadership, and how have mentors played a role in your personal and professional development, and can you give uh, specific examples of um, how they've impacted your journey as a leader? I would say for me, and I would imagine for other people as well, um, mentors have come for me at just the right time, in the right circumstance, and I don't know if it's me seeking that out or just being open and available to uh, mentorship Um, experiences as they become possible. So for me, um, I was in my mid-20s. I wasn't quite sure what I was going to do with my life. As I mentioned, I have a degree in business, but I didn't find the work that I was doing to be terribly satisfying. And after 
high school and college playing water polo. I played on an adult team, a master's team, for 10 years. And there was another player on the team, Jeff Rose, who was a local administrator in the Portland area, later became superintendent in Beaverton. And he was only a few years older than me, so he was quite right. young when he had these leadership positions. And so I was, as I was considering what I wanted to do with my life, um, that was somebody that I looked up to and thought, okay, I see what he's doing. Maybe I could do something like that. Um, and then in my professional career in education in Centennial School District, I would say both yourself um, as a mentor, we worked together for seven years and five years closely as superintendent and assistant superintendent when yeah. I was in that position working with you. And so being able to p uh, pick up leadership cues from you, I think, was really important because you'd done the position that I had previously right. as assistant superintendent. Right. Um, and so I was able to learn directly from you, both as my boss and then also somebody who had been in my role just before. Mm -hmm. And I would say the same thing with a previous guest that you had on the program here, Sam Breyer. He was a previous superintendent in Centennial, right. but he'd also been the principal at the school where I was a principal as well. So I was able to learn from him not only as a boss, but also as a mentor, having done the previous role, too. So I feel fortunate to have mentors come into my life um, at just the right time. Thank you. In the last five years, what habits or behaviors have improved your life uh, personally and professionally? I would say for me, um, first and foremost, is prioritizing my own health and wellness. Um, every morning when I wake up, I work out. So I either exercise on the exercise bike or I have a Bowflex that I bought recently because I heard of the importance of strength training when you're in your 40s uh, to <laughs> right. set the trajectory. So. That's an important part. We yeah. also have a trail by our house. And so I walk the dogs every morning nice. um, as well. And so those are the first things I do when I get up. Um, another thing is within the last 10 years, I took email and calendar off of my smartphone. Um, I realized that I was checking it way too often and at times right. when I should be present um, for my family. And yeah. I was spending too much time peeking at my phone and seeing what was happening in times that I couldn't control it. So one thing that I've learned in addition to the self-care is how to manage my schedule so it's not managing me. Um, and great. so some time management techniques have been uh, beneficial and helpful. Thank you. And what advice uh, would you give a smart, driven college student who is hoping to enter into the field of education? I would say uh, a few things. I would first and foremost clarify why you want to get into education. What is the drive? Um, there will be a lot of fun times in the career field, but there's also going to be a lot of challenging times. And so in that regard, it's important to know why it is that you're getting into education and what it is about the field that interests you. Um, because in the times when your confidence is shaken is when you need that anchor the most. Right. Um, I would also say the importance of creating a professional network. Um, for me, as a superintendent, um, you would see that as an isolating position or a leadership position in a school. And the more that you can become professionally networked, the more that you can reach out to individuals when you're having tough times. Right. I've noticed personally that when things become stressful, I become rock brain. So I stop kind of thinking around the periphery and I get really focused on the problem. And then when I start recognizing that for myself, is when I realize that I need to reach out to other people. So 
the importance of creating professional networks and people that you can call on um, when you're having a difficult time, I think, is helpful in terms of having this um, profession not feel so isolating as it can be. And as a leader, how have, has resilience played a role in your life? Yeah, I would say that the concept of resilience is important. The ability to recognize a situation but not beat yourself up over it. Um, it's important to have a level of feeling about something that's happening, right. um, but not to get overwhelmed or drawn into it to a significant degree where it starts impacting your health. And so we're all going to have trials and tribulations in this profession. Um, and it's important to recognize those and the personal impact that it has because what we're doing is important. And then to also just normalize and recognize that this is a profession where you, where you will never land. Right. Um, and so it's important to recognize that learning is part of the process. It's, ed it's education and it's a learning enterprise. And per personally for me, I have found um, over time to become more humble. Um, when I feel like I've arrived or I've landed is when a new and novel situation will come and it'll knock me off. Right. Um, and so it's important to realize that I'm going to know a lot of things, but I'm not going to know everything. And yeah. so it's important to be able to know who you can reach out to um, because the answers are in the room, mm -hmm. but they might not always be with you. Right. So it's important to know who you can reach out to for help um, when circumstances become challenging. As a follow-up to that, uh, what's the biggest lesson that you learned throughout the pandemic? I would say for that, um, and it's a little bit ironic because we spent 17 months at home, you know, by ourselves largely, but there was so much interdependence that was created during that time. You know, nobody knew how to do distance learning in the yeah. way that we did it. Right. Um, and we were all learning from each other. People were scared and they needed to know that there was somebody that had their hands on the wheel even if those who were in leadership positions didn't necessarily feel confident right. uh, in and of themselves. Right. But um, I was just impressed at how many people leaned in at that time. But I also um, realized and recognized the reliance that we had on one another to get the work done. There was no one individual who could make that work. And so the ability to build and maintain trust with colleagues and the ability to know that they could count on you and you could count on them was important. And I would say a lesson learned from that and something that's been positive is with the colleagues that I have now, who were my colleagues at that time, um, there's a trust that's built there. And yeah. so I've noticed that when times get trying now, um, there's a basis of trust having had that shared, right. you know, almost traumatic experience. Yeah. Um, that's helpful in terms of being able to work through situations that might come up now. Um, because by and large, the situations that come up now are more routine and normal yeah. um, than they were during the pandemic. And so if we could handle that, we can handle this. Right. And the educational landscape keeps changing um, rapidly. And every year, it's a bit different. Uh, how do you stay relevant, innovative, and research-based? I'd say a couple of things. Number one, um, I try to read consistently. During the pandemic, I read probably 20 to 25 books. Wow. In my nightstand uh, next to my bed, I have each drawer full of books that are in a queue yeah. that I'm looking forward to reading. Okay. Um, and so I've just found that keeping abreast professionally with um, different resources and books like that is important. 
The other thing <clears throat> that I would say is um, just professionally networking with other, other people. Um, you know what you know, but there's a lot of other expertise that's out there. And so the importance of conversation with people, especially when there's a problem of practice, um, I think is important. And the final thing I would speak to is the importance of mentorship. Previous guest that you had on the program here, Sam Breyer, is my current mentor. I meet yeah. with him twice a month. Nice. And the ability to work through scenarios and situations with him um, helps me uh, clarify whatever issues I might have and accelerates my own learning. Right. Uh, thank you. So as a, working with you as a superintendent, I know uh, you to be very organized and also um, goal-driven and able to um, see where you're headed and, and have a planful way to get to that goal. Uh, but when you feel overwhelmed or unfocused, how do you reframe yourself? That's a good question. Um, I have some core principles or values um, that I have listed down, about 12 of them. And when I have a situation that I feel is falling short of yeah. whatever my expectation is, I try to think through, you know, what are my principles, what are my values, and how is this situation stacking up with that? And if I feel like whatever the situation is falling short, then I'll consider based on those values how to course correct. Okay. Um, and so I feel like that's important. Another thing is that when situations become tough, um, sometimes I become super focused on the problem and kind of tune out that there's other people or supports that I can reach out to. Right. And so for me, when I have a challenging situation, I have to challenge myself to say, who can I reach out to? Um, who in my professional network would be good to talk th this through? Yeah. Um, because they can help clarify things that I might not be able to do so myself. And so ironically, you know, 12 years into this profession, I feel like in a position that can feel isolating, um, I feel more professionally um, that there's a safety net for me just in the people that I know and the support that I can access when I have issues that come up. Right. Um, for the past few years, I've been uh, doing this morning routine called Master the Morning, so I'm really interested in uh, learning more about uh, what your morning routine looks like. And I'm interested in hearing more about Master the Morning, so we'll, <laughs> we'll have to talk about that piece. Right. Um, but for me, um, as I spoke to, exercise is an important part. Um, I found, you know, especially during the pandemic and coming out with being um, super busy, that that slipped, and that's an important part of keeping myself and my mind uh, sharp and focused. And so the exercise is, you know, as you think about the rocks in the jar, putting the big rocks in first, right. um, that's the first thing for me. The yeah. other is exercise, um, but also time spent with my dogs in the morning, walking the trail by my house. That's great. Um, it's important for them to get exercise, for me to spend time with them. The hours are long, so the ability to have time um, to walk the dogs in the morning and just kind of keep my mind clear is important. Um, I do meditation but I do it in the car on the way to work. Okay. And so, you know, things might not be perfect, and so that might not be the perfect time to do it, but that's the time that I can make to do it. Right. And it helps me to come into the day feeling uh, present and feeling like I have um, command over what I'm doing when I get to work rather than having my thoughts and feelings uh, being overwhelming. Before I get into the car, it's making a consistent breakfast every morning, the eggs, yeah the fruit, the coffee, nice. you know, things that'll get me energized for the day. And then one other piece is that I don't start my calendar for the day until nine. And nice. so 
I don't come rushing into a meeting in the morning. And I think the ability to take control of your day, as opposed to having your day take control over you, uh, is an important component as well. Thank you. So these uh, last three questions are so the listener can get to know you a bit better. Uh, so these are a little more informal. And I know you talked a bit about this one, but what is your favorite sport? Yeah, I would say by far my favorite sport is water polo. I ended up playing uh, for about 20 years in between high wow. school, college, and then as um, an adult on a master's team. Okay. Um, ironically, once I got into an educational leadership position, I ran out of time to be able to <laughs> dedicate to playing. Yeah. Um, but it's just a fun outlet, and it's an ability to kind of keep my body and mind focused. Um, so it's fun to watch when I see it during the Olympics, um, and it's fun to play as well. Yeah. Um, I also like to watch basketball and football on TV. Okay, cool. Uh, what are three books that anyone interested in education should read? Yeah, I would say the top two um, that I've read are Focus by Michael Fullan. Okay. Uh, the yeah. concept being the ability to be able to pick a few high leverage items and do those well. Um, there's a lot to do in education, and there's a lot of education needs between acronyms. And I think as a profession, we do a good job of making things complicated and confusing. Right. And the concept with this book is the ability to keep things simple mm -hmm. and to be able to prioritize, you know, two to three core actions, try to master those, and then try to pick up other um, aspects after that. Um, another book that I would say is important is the DeForest book on PLCs. Yeah. I think the PLC framework is um, a critical framework to approach education because it comes with a lot of things that I think good educators um, should be able to do to hone their practice. That involves collaborating with other people, effective lesson planning, the ability to implement things in the classroom, and then be able to go back and reflect on those things, and the ability to differentiate instruction. So I think if an educator was getting into leadership or just the field of education to begin with, um, the concept of PLCs and the DeFore model is important. And the third one, not to completely shine you on here, but as I came into the studio today, you handed me your new book, A Reason for Every Season. And so <laughs> I haven't read it yet, but this one's going on the type of, top of the nightstand, um, and it'll be the next one that I read. Nice. I hope you like it. Yeah. Thanks. So um, I think I know the answer to this one, but uh, are you a cat person or a dog person? Good question. So <laughs> the cat that we just had for the last 17 years passed within the last month. And so that was our oldest pet. And I would say originally, or if you were to ask my mom, she would say cat person. Yeah. Um, but we ended up getting a couple of dogs within the last 10 years yeah. and the ability to take them out for walks, uh, for them to be able to listen to commands, right. you know, shake hands, go fetch a ball. Um, that's fun. So um, yeah. I would say I've transitioned probably from cat to dog person. Okay. That's great. Um, so that was our last question, but I want to thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to share with our listeners, our educators, and our aspiring leaders across Multnomah County. Um, and we just appreciate you being here. So let's give uh, Superintendent James Owens from Centennial School District a round of applause. Yeah.